Happy 2024. You're glad that you came to church on the first Sunday. Yes, we are glad that you came as well. Friends, we are now, according to the historical church calendar, entering into a season called Epiphany. 
all right? An epiphany is the celebration of the appearance of Jesus to the nations. So the Feast of Epiphany, if you don't know, it's mostly associated with the story of the three wise men, or, or really wise men. We really don't know how many there were. But the wise men from the east following a star and coming to find out that it lays underneath, or it's, it's above Jesus. And the wise men come to worship Jesus and to offer him gifts. And uh, I love this story, especially entering into this story at the beginning of a year, because it allows myself and it allows you to enter into that story, to be like the wise men, to come to Jesus at the beginning of the year and to offer the most precious, important thing that you can give. It's not gold, it's not frankincense, it's not myrrh. It's your worship, it's your heart. Friends, we are in a season right now where we can honestly say on the onset of 2024, Jesus, you have my heart. Jesus, I give you my year. And friends, I just got this thought, what would it look like this morning before we continue with singing? What would it look like if we gave the Lord our hearts for this entire year? What would it look like if we dedicated ourselves to Jesus? Come hell or high water, whatever happens in 2024, your heart is given to the Lord. Can we do that right now in this space? Can you just close your eyes? Do this with me. Can you just, even if you want to lift up your hands in a raised position, can you just, in your own words, make an altar in your own heart right now and just dedicate your heart, your life to the Lord in 2024? Lord, we surrender to you here. Lord, when the storms of life are going to come in 2024, we don't even know what's going to happen in the rest of this year. Lord, we are going to say right now that Jesus, you are Lord, Lord of our heart, Lord of our life. And if blessings should come and overtake us, we will not cast our eyes to the blessings. We will not fall into idolatry, but we will keep our eyes upon you, Lord Jesus. We will return every gift, every blessing back to praise and back unto you. Lord, we dedicate our lives right now, afresh and anew, to you, to your purpose. Lord, you are King of 2024, and you are Lord over our heart. In your mighty name, Lord Jesus, we pray and we say amen. Amen, friends. As we enter back into worship, can we confess the scriptures? Let's read Isaiah chapter 60, a prophetic scripture about the Lord and his people. Let's read. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord arises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Let us continue to worship, friends, here.
clap. Let us rejoice. Let us celebrate. He is Lord over all the earth. There's no one like the Lord in all in all the earth. We keep our eyes focused on you, Lord. It's Jesus.
here this morning. We contend, we believe, Lord. You're the same God. I'm calling on the God of Jacob, whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up the you now to do the same thing for me yes oh god of the scriptures do the same thing for us come on let's lift it up oh god my god i need you oh god my god i need you now how i need you now oh rock oh rock of ages i'm standing
Stay in this posture for a moment. If you guys can, yeah, keep playing behind me. In just a moment, I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses, it will start at verse 8. Okay, so there's the cue for those guys. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8. New Year is a beautiful time to reflect, to anticipate, to distill values, to decide the ways that we love the way our lives are going, the way that we want to change things for the future. But you and I both know that the turn of a day in a calendar year doesn't turn our situation. And man, I just feel for so many of you who are desperate. And I want us to pray over you. So if you are in a desperate situation and you would be willing, I want you to go ahead and raise your hand. I know it's vulnerable. There's no shame in not. But the reason is so that the people can pray around you. So if you are raising your hand, if you would, just make it visible. It's kind of dark, I know. But we're going to be the body. We're going to rally around you because of what we have just sung. What we've just sung is a prayer. And we've been reminded by reminding one another as we sing these words of the deeds that God has done to Abraham, to Moses, to David, to Mary. And you and I also know that the same power who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive and at work in you and in me. So Lord, we come alongside our brothers and our sisters here who are in a desperate situation. And none of us want to use that word lightly. But I know, Lord, that there are businesses whose income has dried up. There are marriages that are falling apart. There are children that are walking away. There are health diagnoses that have people feeling like they're, they're losing what they thought would be decades. Now maybe are just years or maybe even months. God, I don't know the span of the desperation in this place. But I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we need you more than we know we do. And we are the people whose lives are not perfect, but we are the people who know the God who is, and we choose to cry out this morning. And friends, sometimes there are no words, there are only tears, there are only feelings, only groanings. All of that is okay. That is all intercession. That is all us choosing to carry the burdens of one another before the Lord. And in the posture of prayer, I want to look at these verses from 2 Corinthians 1. Starting verse 8, Paul says this. So if you're, in, if you're in a desperate situation right now, no, you're in good company. Paul says, we do not want you to be informed, brother and sisters, about the troubles that we have experienced in the province of Asia. For we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we, Paul is saying this, even despaired life itself. Next verse. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Verse 10, this is the verse I really want you to hear. For he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to to deliver us. Continue to verse 11 as you help us by your prayers. 
Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Friends, your prayers matter. Your prayers matter. We're talking about Paul the Apostle. And just do a thought experiment here. Perhaps if those in the churches that Paul had planted previously had not supported he and his team through the work and the ministry of prayer and intercession, who knows what epistles we might not have today. This is no small thing that Paul said, even me and my team, we knew we had work to do that God had commissioned us to do, but we were scared, despairing of life itself. Friends, if your life is in trouble or someone close to you that you love is in trouble, God knows and he hears, but he wants you to pray. Your prayers matter, even if they're just God help. I don't have the words, but God help. Even if your prayers are tears, if your prayers are just a hug, your prayers are sending someone a door dash, being near to them in a season of difficulty and struggle and brokenness and pain and life falling apart. But here's what I know about you. You are a good people. God is at work in your lives. God is at work all around you. And I was reading just a moment ago from Psalm 31 where David, the psalmist, is crying out to God. And he says, deliver me. You are my refuge. And then he says, and now into you, to your hands, I commit my spirit. The same words that Jesus said on the cross. We pray, we cry out, we trust God. We remind ourselves of who he is and who he's been. And at the end of the day, we hold our hands out and say, God, it's yours. Touch it, do with it what you will. This situation is yours. And so, Lord, this morning, all of these burdens, we bring them into your presence, the presence of the only one who can do anything meaningful to touch these lives, to touch these situations, to turn them around, to bring wholeness, to bring restoration, to bring healing, to bring vision, to bring peace. God, whatever it is that we need, you are the only one who can transform dead things into life. And we are bringing all of these things into your presence. We lift them up before you and we say, God, they're yours. We commit them to you in your presence. And would you, the God who raises dead things to life, be over them all. And we ask it now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And the people of Midtown say, Amen. Well, thank you guys for going with us there. Some of you are in a mountaintop season and your lives are wonderful, but this is what it is to be the people of God, to lend your strength to those who need it. And so thank you for doing that and being those kinds of people. We're going to turn our attention now to giving. And as you all know, there are four ways to give. There will be a slide up on the screen just for a moment. If you're wondering, there are boxes in the back. It's dark. I know you can't see them now, but in a couple of minutes, the lights will come up and you'll be able to see them. And friends, let us begin this year like we do every Sunday, praying this prayer to posture our hearts toward God, that the gifts that we are bringing don't just become obligation, but this prayer will help us help the, the tentacles of greed and of wanting to cling to everything that we have, release those things and remind us that everything we have is God. So let's pray this prayer together aloud before we give our offerings. Father, you are the abundant giver 
of all good things. Train us to delight in holy dependence and lead us to honor you with all of our resources. Free us from the deceitfulness of greed and earthly riches and teach us to give generously with open hands and joy-filled hearts that we might receive abundantly and flourish for the sake of others and your purposes in the earth. Amen. And before we sit down, would you, if you have kids next to you, pull them close. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer and pray it over our children, and then we will release our children to elementary class in just a moment. The words to the Lord's Prayer will be up on the screen. Let's learn how to pray and also teach our children to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Children, you are dismissed to go learn with open minds and open hearts. Friends, turn to one, ne- one person next to you, give them a hug, shake their hand, learn their name, and we'll come back in just a moment. Good morning, friends. Find your way back to your seats. Hopefully you didn't forget where you were sitting. You don't need to find your way. My name is Jonathan, and I'd like to welcome all of you, but specifically those of you for whom this is your first Sunday here at New Life Midtown, starting the year off right. We like to think that we're a pretty great bunch. So welcome to New Life Midtown where you are welcomed with open arms, and we believe that the Spirit of God is at work in every single one of us, and it is our joy to open our arms and receive you, and also receive what God has from you for us. If you are in a season where you are looking for a new church, and you've been here, perhaps today is your first time, maybe you've been here a handful of times, 
we have an informational lunch in two Sundays on the 21st called New Life Next, immediately following the second service. And I want to extend an invitation to you for that. It's roughly one hour right after second service. We do have free lunch and free childcare. So all of you with kids have no excuse. It's a reprieve on your weekend. Come join us. It's a time where we want to get to learn about you. We want to hear what are the things that you're looking for, what are you interested in, what questions do you have. And we're also going to share some of our story, some of our values, and what we believe that God has called us to here at New Life Midtown. So that is on the 21st of January, two Sundays from today after second service. Uh, You can sign up at the Welcome Center. You can also find your way there through any of the plethora of QR codes around the building. That was my nod to you, Lauren. The second announcement today, oh, by the way, there are a bunch of things happening in the month of January. We're hitting the ground running full speed. So tomorrow night, there's prayer, GC, have Ignite. There's registrations in the back. Men's prayer's already been happening. They just took a week off. Guys, things are happening here at Midtown. So go to the website. But the second thing I want to announce to you today is that table groups are about to start again. That's the response I like to hear. I'd like to hear it a little bit louder, maybe next week or the week after, but we're looking forward to it. This last round, we more than doubled our table groups. I believe we ended up with 23 table groups in the fall. And from all the reports that I've heard, so much wonderful ministry was happening. And we took a break for the holidays, as we usually do, but the spring semester will begin roughly the first week of February. But here's my big appeal, my big ask to you this morning. We need hosts and we need leaders. So if you have the gift of hospitality or you feel the spirit tugging at your heart to either host or potentially lead a group, my ask is that you would email Rachel Brown and It may be at the end of a video that we're about to show you, but if not, we have these new little things from the 1980s called business cards. How many of you don't know what these are? Everyone under 30 has no clue what I'm holding. This is called a business card. People used to carry these things around in their wallets, and perhaps you don't know what a wallet is, but I don't have time to explain that to you either. Um, Anyways, we have plenty of these out at the Welcome Center also, and all you have to do is email Rachel sometime this week and just say, I'm interested in hosting or I'm interested in leading a group, and then we will respond with a handful of questions to begin walking with you through that process. So in case that is not enough, we have a testimony video that we would like you to watch about table groups. Turn your attention to the screen, please leading a table group for a little over two years. I originally started leading a 20s, 30s table group. And then when Rachel and I got married, we became co-leaders and have been leading for about a year. Sundays go so fast and you just barely get to say hi to people. And so leading at table group has been really great because I actually get to sit down and talk um, and hear people's stories or get to know them a little bit or hear how their week has been. It's really enriched my church relationships. Greg and Rachel co-hosted. And then we led, and it worked out great because they loved hosting. We lived close to each other, and uh, we prefer to lead. Uh, it was a good fit for both of us because we both worked in the areas that we enjoyed the most. Hearing other people's stories, hearing their struggles, the same as mine, the same as my husband's. Um, we're all people. Um, 
you know, trying to live our faith. So it was very enriching just to hear other people's stories, their victories, their accomplishments. If you're feeling intimidated about leading a table group, I just want to let you know, like, there's been things that we've done that haven't worked great or that have been kind of goofy, and people are just really forgiving, and they keep coming back, which is amazing. So thank you all for coming back. But I don't know, there's just something about taking the leap that the Holy Spirit fills in the gaps. Well, there's a huge need in our church. Um, as I think everybody can see, if you come on Sunday morning and you've been coming just since we moved in this building, you don't have to feel like you have to be this spiritual giant to do it or be have the gift of uh, being able to host people all the time. You don't have to be either one. You just have to be willing, and I can guarantee you, you'll be blessed. Midtown makes it easy to lead a table group because they provide the questions for you. Um, they have this easy on and off ramp, like it's not a lifelong commitment. You know you're committing to a few months. I don't think there's any performance-based expectation. It's just community and it's just really talking and discussing life issues and how the sermon applied to us and how we can grow for the next step. I think we all feel inadequate. Um, we don't feel like strong leaders or anything like that, so the uh, challenge would just be being brave and, and just going for it. I say this without exaggeration. I believe that the table group ministry is one of the most important ministries of New Life Midtown. And with that being said, if you led or if you hosted a table group this year in 2023, would you just raise your hand? I want us to see you. Look at that. Can we give these guys a big, massive hand? It is definitely no small commitment to get your home ready every week or every other week to pour over those questions, to pray over those spaces and those atmospheres, and to make sure that they're a place where people can easily connect and graft into the body. So for all of 2023's hosts and leaders, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Your ministry has not gone unnoticed, and I believe that it is a seed that is going to bear fruit many years to come. Also, if you are interested, I'm just curious by a show of hands, if you're looking at this and saying, I think I could commit the next three to four months to leading a group or to opening up a space uh, without any commitment here. If you're just interested, can I just see your hands? I'd love to see your hands. Look at that. All right. Carrie and Jonathan, write their names down fast. Hurry, write their names down. Got them. Happy New Year. It's the first Sunday of 2024 and all across our eight congregations, today is what we're calling Vision Sunday. This is the day where we uh, are expressing to you the things that we feel like God has put in our heart for each of our local New Life congregations. And this is one of the things that I actually love about our multi-congregational model. There are certain things that are part of our ministry that are standardized or centralized. But our ministry is contextualized from congregation to congregation. So while we may be speaking in the same series of books, the way that those messages come out are going to be unique to every congregation. And so, consequently, the vision that comes out for each of these congregations is also going to be unique as well. This morning during worship, I just have to capture this publicly. There was something that I bore witness to that I pray that I never forget. We were worshiping the Lord, and I had this little children's choir right behind me, which was absolutely lovely. Their little voices being raised up with strength and being raised up with faith. 
And I turned around and looked at them, and as I looked at them, I saw Josh escorting Mama Wanda, who's in her 90s, down the aisle. And I wish that I could have just pulled my phone out and captured this moment where in front of me were 10-year-olds, and behind them was the previous generation, a woman who has faithfully prayed and a woman who has faithfully been a pillar in the house of the Lord, and that is what the church is. That is what it means to belong to the people of God. The people of God is not a homogenous unit. What that means is, is it's not enough just to hang around people that are like you. That's not the church. It's not enough just to hang out with people that believe the way that you believe or in the same season and stage of life. That's not the church. The church is comprised of people from all ages, all generations, all races, all ethnicities, people that are on different sides of the political and maybe even religious or spiritual spectrum, but we're gathered around the cross of Jesus because what God has done for us. And it was just a marvelous sight that I pray the Lord embed into my heart and remind me of what it is that we're doing of what it is that we're praying for, of what it is that we're believing for, of what it is that we're fighting for. There is a way in which every single one of us is always standing right in the middle of the previous generation's faithfulness and the succeeding generation taking the torch of the gospel and the kingdom into the future. And so, New Life Midtown, I just want to say thank you for being the people that you are. I so bear witness And I love the fact that Pastor Jonathan shared this. You are a good church. You are a great church. You're a kind and warm and inviting and embracing church. You're full of people who engage. You're high participatory people. You love the Lord and you love your neighbor and you love the world. And I couldn't ask for a better people to belong to. And I'm so grateful. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to jump into John chapter 14, and I'm going to take the next few minutes and share some things that the Lord has put on my heart here for 2024. Holy Spirit of the living God, we love you and we welcome you. We acknowledge that you have been at work from the moment that we have awakened this morning, and you've been at work throughout all of eternity. And you're at work right now here in this moment. As we open up the scriptures, the very scriptures that you breathe life into, the very ones that you inspired through human hands. We ask, Lord, that you would teach us, that you would open up our hearts and that you would open up our minds and that you would enlarge our imagination. Lord, that you would stoke our expectation, that you would give each and every one of us a word that we can latch onto, that we can believe in, that will inspire hope and faith inside of us. Father, I do agree with what Pastor Jonathan prayed for those of us who are in a place where our faith is small or broken or wounded or weak. I ask that you, Holy Spirit, would come and that you would heal our faith and that you would cleanse our faith and renew our faith and restore our faith today. Speak to us today from the living word, O living God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're turning to the book of John, chapter 14. And by the way, next week we begin a new series On the book of the Gospel of John, I want to encourage you to go ahead and start reading in that. We're going to stay in John through Easter. So we're going to take about 12 weeks to walk slowly. 
Sadly, we're not going to be able to go chapter by chapter because there's 21 chapters in the book of John and 12 weeks that we're going to give ourselves to this series. But I am deeply excited about what God is going to speak to us in the book of John. There are so many incredible themes that just unfold. I've been sitting in this book now for the past few weeks, and I'm, in, I'm excited to preach John to you guys. So, so come ready next week if you would. John chapter 14, the context of this particular chapter is Jesus sharing with his disciples just hours before he's about to lay his life down. And so he's closing out his earthly life and his earthly ministry. And he is pulling his disciples that he has invested the previous three years of his life into. He's pulling them really, really close. It's a very intimate moment. It's an intimate setting. And the things that he's communicating with them are of high value and high significance. They're of high importance. Read with me, if you would, in John chapter 14, verse 9. Scripture says, Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So believe me when I say that I am in the Father And the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Can you say the works? Believe on the evidence of the works. Very truly, verse 12, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. Any believers in Jesus in this house this morning? Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things. The SV, the New King James, the King James says, and even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Beloved, this is the word of the Lord for us today. As I was alerted to the fact that all of our congregations would be preaching on a vision Sunday, the first Sunday of January, several weeks ago. I've been seeking the Lord. Lord, what's your vision for 2024? What's the new thing that you want to do? And as each successive day began to pass by and I didn't get a real clear word, I felt anxiety and panic begin to rise in my heart. I'm a vision man. I'm a vision guy. That's what I do, bro. I, I mean, vision just comes out of me. And I found myself having a lot of ambiguity, a lack of clarity, a lack of precision around vision for Midtown. And so I began tempting with the idea of, well, you know, I mean, I can just, I can throw vision at the people. And we just start throwing numbers out there and charts and graphs and we're going to take this hill. And, but every single one of us know that if you're chasing a vision that's not God, you're going to expend a lot of energy and spend a lot of time And perhaps even get yourself into a lot of problems and trouble that you want to avoid. And so I'm not here just to give a man-made vision. I'm here to rally the people of God to what I believe is a vision that is on the heart of God. It wasn't until just a few days ago, Tuesday night, Jeff asked me to lead the first Wednesday prayer meeting of the year. And again, I was on a completely different wavelength. But on Tuesday evening, I felt like the Lord just caused this verse to jump off the page to me. 
Like I had said earlier, I've been reading the book of John now several times in preparation for our series that we're starting next week, and this verse just jumped out, and it's like the Holy Spirit highlighted this. And I've got a little bit of a personal story attached to this verse because several years ago, there was something that I was believing for of great importance to me and of great importance to the people that were around me, and I was anchoring my faith to this verse, and what I expected and what I wanted did not happen. And so as I had in the past eight years, as I've read over this book, I would just conveniently skip over this verse. Being really honest with you today, I didn't want to face the pain of the, ex, of the disappointment and the unmet expectation that I had around this verse. And on Tuesday night, I felt like the Holy Spirit, hey, whew, Holy Spirit just said, son, I need to pull this back out and we need to resurrect this. And I felt like the Lord said to me, son, it's not your faith that I'm interested in. I need you to begin asking me for my faith. There is a new faith that is available for the people of God. And for years, many of us have been taught that if we just believe more and if we just strengthen our faith and if we just have bigger faith and if we have better faith, then the things that we want to happen in this earth can happen. And I felt like there was a paradigm shift that the Lord brought me into this weekend. And it's this, it's not that God doesn't need our faith. God is trying to get us to have his faith that he wants to heal our faith and he wants to cleanse our faith and he wants to renew our faith. But at the end of the day, here's what we do with our faith. We take our faith and we say, God, I'm going to exchange this for yours. I need the faith of God to believe in God. I need the faith of God to believe for the things of God. And so I'm praying that in 2024 that God would renew our faith, which is his faith, watch it, to do greater works in 2024. Now, we have to be careful because the temptation when we hear things like greater works is that we want to fill in the blanks of what those greater works are. And I hear the invitation of the Lord saying, if you will allow me to determine and to define what the greater works are, your job very simply is to believe. And I will lead you into the greater works. Jesus, when he's speaking to his disciples, the context of this statement very simply is, Everything that I have said or done that is testified to who I am and who the Father is, that is the work that you will do. That's what John 14, 12 says. Anyone who believes in me, the work that I have been doing, they will do. What is that work exactly? It is any work that Jesus did that testified or bore witness to who he was and to who the Father is. And so this year, I believe, this, is, this, is, this may not be for us, but this is definitely for Jay Duncan. John 4 is one of those chapters that I think God is inviting me to live in in 2024. I've never done this before. I've never lived in a chapter. I've lived in a book. I've lived in a theme, but I've never lived in a chapter. I'm really excited about this. So I'm going to invite you to turn with me to John 4 Because there are several things here that Jesus did that I believe that the Lord is calling us to do in greater measure in 2024. We're going to read the majority of the chapter. Begin with me, if you would, in chapter 4, verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea, and he went back once more to Galilee. Look at verse 4. Now, he had to go through Samaria. Any of the Bible scholars that are in the room know that Jesus didn't have to go to Samaria. 
because there was actually another route, a better route, per se, a route that most people took when they were going from Judea back to Galilee, a route that went around Samaria. The route through Samaria was actually the shortcut. It's like if we wanted to get from here to Denver, we would jump on I-25. We wouldn't take the back road, the scenic road. We would go up I-25. This was the route to Samaria. It was the easier route. It was the less obstructed route, but it was the route that all of the Jews avoided because they didn't like Samaritans. Here's the first thing that I believe God is calling us to this year. He's calling us to a greater purpose. He's calling us to a greater purpose. That phrase there in John chapter 4, verse 4, it says, now he had to go. It's a very peculiar word. The word there is D-E-I for all of you Greek, Greek people. You can write that down, D-E-I. It's pronounced die. And here's what it means. It's a divine necessity. It's a divine must. In other words, Jesus is saying there are many routes that I could take to get where I need to go, but I have to go through Samaria. Y'all need to hear this today. This is the route that everybody avoids, but I have to to go there. I must go through Samaria because there is a person in Samaria that I must meet with. And I must meet with them at a particular time because this particular person doesn't go to the well in the morning when it's cool or in the afternoon when it's cool. This particular person goes to the well in the heat of the day because they don't want anybody else to be around when they go to the well. And I've got to go there now because I have a divine appointment with the person that nobody wants to talk to. I believe in 2024 that there are assignments that God has for us. God has assignments for us every year. But I have faith that we're going to be a people that lean into the divine assignment on our lives every single day that we live this year. Every day that you live is brimming with the purpose of God. Friends, I'm not here to just pep rally you. I'm beginning to believe this again. I'm speaking as someone whose faith died. I'm speaking as someone who God is touching and resurrecting faith. I used to live this way. I used to wake up every morning believing that there was divine purpose on every day. And then I got sleepy. And then I got offended. And then I got hurt. And then I allowed a a brokenness and bitterness to settle in. But I'm believing that this year that there is a greater work called divine assignment that God wants to reveal to each and every one of us. It doesn't matter what season of life you're in. It doesn't matter what your vocation is, friends. If you have breath in your lungs, if you wake up in the morning and you have sight in your eyes and you've got mobility in your body and you've got a mind to think, I'm here to tell you that there is a DEI, there is a divine necessity, and there is a divine assignment on your life. You've got to discover it. You've got to discover it. One of the key, not the only key, but one of the keys to our mental health crisis, to our lack of joy, to our depression, is that we're not living in the divine necessity of what God is calling us to every single day of our lives. We're distracted, we're tired, uh, we're um, pouring all of our energy into things that are not of eternal weight, and I'm calling us today to believe that God has something greater. It's a divine assignment. When we get to John chapter 4 later in our series, we'll talk about all the unique social and geopolitical nuances to this particular assignment. But today, I'm just here to announce that God has a divine necessity upon every day of your life. I want you to think about the end of 2024 and look backwards. 
I want you to think at the end of 24, do you want to look back and say, well, there was just another year for the books? Or do you want to look back and say, man, there were, there were certain things that I know without a shadow of a doubt. There were adventures. There were challenges. There were problems that God, that God invited me into that he says, you have to step into this. There were opportunities that God said, you have to step into this. There were people. Would you begin believing that there are people that God is assigning to you, that you've got to know who those people are? That there may not be other people in the world that can reach those people in the way that you reach those people. And friends, can we begin asking God, show me the people that are my divine assignment this year? Let's keep reading if we would. Go on to verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said, you're a Jew and I'm a woman. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. If you're not familiar with the ancient culture here, men did not speak with women. I found this out. I didn't realize this, but men barely spoke to their wives in public. And single men definitely did not speak to single women. And if you were a rabbi of elevated position and status, you definitely did not speak to a single woman. And then to elevate this, you most definitely didn't speak to a Samaritan woman. So here Jesus is breaking all of the social and cultural and man-made traditional rules of that day. And he's doing it out of his divine purpose. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. For the sake of time, I won't read the rest of this portion, but the second thing I want us to believe for this year is greater connections, greater purpose, and greater connections. Everything I believe, and I'm coming to believe it more and more, everything that God does in the earth, he does through human connections. The notion that God just wants to have an individual and private and secret relationship with you to the exclusion of everybody that you're connected with is false. In fact, it is a dangerous and deceptive demonic lie of the enemy. It's the thing that pulls us away from our families. It's the thing that pulls us away from spiritual community. It's the thing that gets us into our own form of deception. And we do this justifying it by using God talk. God's agenda is not just to pull you away onto a little mountain and have powerful encounters with you. I believe that God wants to do that to a degree, but he always does that so he can insert you right back in to the system of relationships that he's planted you into. You guys remember this story in Matthew chapter 17? Jesus pulls three of his disciples up onto the top of a mountain, and it's called the transfiguration. There's a power encounter. Glory of God comes down. Presence of God is shining upon Jesus. And what does Peter say? He says, hey, let's build a tabernacle here, and let's just stay here. How many of you know what was happening down the mountain? Right after, while this is going on, but right after that passage in Matthew chapter 17, what's going on down the hill is there's a man who is fighting for his son's life. His son is demon-possessed. You guys remember the story. And he brings his son to the remaining nine disciples, and he's asking his disciples to cast the demon out of his young boy who throws his boy into epileptic seizures. And so while this is happening, while the battle is raging down the mountain, Peter's having a God encounter, and he's saying, let's just stay here forever. Now, I relate to that because I love the presence of God. 
But what we have to understand is that God pulls us into the intimacy of his presence, and he never does that just for us. God pulls us into our own healing, and he doesn't do that just for us. He brings wholeness into our life, into our mind, into our emotions, and he never does that just for us. He reveals his glory, and he never does that just for us. He does that because there is a system of relationships that we are planted into, that God wants to reinsert us into that system of relationships so that the glory that he reveals to us, we can release back into that system of relationships. Are you with me this morning? I am believing that this is going to be a year of greater connections, a year of intentional connections, a year of purposeful and meaningful and eternal connections, beginning first with the connections that you already have established in your own life. Some of you men remember that at the men's retreat, I was very vulnerable, and I said that several years ago, four to be exact, that I had suffered some extreme pains from Uh, some very, very close friends of mine, what kind of threw me into um, a place of self-preservation, relationally. I began pulling my heart away from people, even the closest people in my life, like they were still in my life. I wasn't shutting them out completely. I just wasn't giving myself completely over to them in the way that I knew that I was wired to do. And something happened at the 2023 men's retreat. I can't explain it. All I know is that God began to fully and completely heal and resurrect my heart. And I am giving myself back into intimate and meaningful connection and relationship with the people that God has put in my life. And I'm expanding that into the new that God wants to bring into my life as well. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it surging through my very being. I'm, I'm, it's like I'm ready to risk the pain of betrayal, and I'm ready to risk the pain of abandonment to love deeply again. And listen, guys, this was a four-year process for me. So I'm not assuming that just because I'm preaching a great, powerful word today that things are going to happen immediately. But what I do want to do is I want to step into the jet stream of what's available And I want to give strength to what God is doing in your life. And I want to encourage you that you will love again and you will believe again and you will live with great purpose again. I'm believing that with you and I'm believing that for you. Meaningful and intentional connections. Friends, we need that in this house. Like when I say that the table group ministry is one of the important ministries, that's not some ploy. That's not some you know, propaganda to get you more involved so I can shoot numbers up the ladder. I mean that. I mean that. The other day I was taking a walk in my neighborhood and there was a lady that I had met several months ago. She had visited our church and I hadn't seen her since she had visited. And when I, when I met her right there walking my dog, she said, oh my goodness, Pastor Jade, I'm so sorry. I'd, I'm not coming to your church. I said, my goodness woman, be released. There's never any expectation. And she just said, your church is too big which I had to chuckle at internally. Who would have ever thought of the day when people would say, I am not coming to your church because it's too big. This is one of the reasons why the table group ministry and the auxiliary ministries and kindred and men's and GC and 20s and 30s, this is why those things matter so deeply because they become almost like little churches unto themselves. They become little pockets of gathering, little pockets of ministry, little pockets of knowing and being known. 
The truth of the matter is, even at 100 people, there's just no way that every single person can know every single person as deeply and intimately as they want to. It was really comical. She says, I've got to be in a place where I know my pastor and his children intimately. I was like, oh, okay. Well, you need to just go ahead and find your small group, sister. <laughs> Meaningful connections are available in this house. I, I did something that I try to do on a semi-regular basis. I was looking through our family talk list. I pray over that list. I pray over those that say God has called me to be members of this house. I pray for all of you at large, but I've got a special commitment to those that are members of this house. Praying for you. I, I read the names. I, th- I see your faces. Uh, I carry you deeply. And then I'm looking at certain people who recently have become members of the house, and I'm just going, mm, you're not as connected as you could be. You're not as grafted in relationally as you could be. And so I'm believing that this is going to be a year where some of you have just kind of been sitting and waiting and watching and, you know, waiting. I believe this is going to be a year where you're going to step into the game of relational connection. And I'm calling you to that. I'm calling you to that. Because we need what you carry. We need what's inside of you. We need your faith. We need your voice. We need the encounters with God that you've had. We need the ministry gift. We need the gifts of the Spirit that are in your life, which brings me to the next point. Look at verse 16. If you know the story very well, you know that Jesus, as he's having this conversation with the woman, he begins to get very theological, and he says to her, listen, if you knew who it was that you're talking to and what it is that I carry, then you would ask me for water and a water that never runs dry. He's speaking spiritually. She's thinking naturally. And so she says, sir, please give me this water so I don't have to keep coming out here and suffering shame to get this water. I need living and flowing water. And so he begins to go, look at verse 16. He says, okay, let's do this. He says, I'm not getting anywhere with theological instruction, so I'm just going to move into the prophetic. He says, he told her, go call your husband and come back. Sir, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've actually had five. And the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. What just happened here? Jesus turned the spiritual conversation. By the way, that's exactly what this was. This was a spiritual conversation. And Jesus turns the spiritual conversation because he realizes that just speaking theologically was not getting where he needed to get with her. And so he begins to move into a dimension of spiritual gifts. And this is the thing that I want us to believe for in 2024, that there will be greater gifts. That there will be an increase of the activation and the usage of spiritual gifts. Gifts of faith, the gift of the word of knowledge, the gift of the word of wisdom. This, what was happening right here, this was a gift of the word of knowledge. What is that? Jesus knew things about her that there was no way that he could humanly know. Who told Jesus that she had five husbands? Was Jesus kind of walking through, you know, the town salon and going, hey, guys, I'm going to go into Samaria here and I'm going to meet this gal. Can you give me the dirt on this gal? Jesus wasn't doing that. The Holy Spirit was downloading things about this woman that were a point of particular pain and shame that if he could speak to by the love of God and the grace of God, it could potentially open something in her heart. Jesus was concerned about this. Watch this. Jesus was concerned about bringing her into a place of restoration and freedom and wholeness. And he understood that unless something's exposed and brought into the light, it can never be healed. And so what does Jesus do? 
Jesus operates in the gifts. I had a friend of mine several months ago ask me, Pastor Jade, what are, what, what are the gifts of the Spirit that you operate in? And so I rattled off a couple that I felt like that I've had some semblance of operation in. And then this person said, what are the gifts that you want to operate in? Which I've never really thought about that. Or I don't think about that as much as I should. And I said, you know, I really would like to operate more in the gift of the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. I'd like to be able to, when I pray for people, to be able to pray with precision and to pray with accuracy and to pray with divine insight so that something opens up. I want to see things broken off of people's lives. I I want to see people believe again. And then this person just said, well, why don't you ask God? And I said, what? They said, well, all it takes is you asking God to give you that gift. And that has messed with me. And it is absolutely true. If you read John chapter 14, verse 12, and then right after that, Jesus says that you will ask the Father and he will give you whatever you ask in my name. Friends, there are spiritual resources that God has made available to you to live the Christian life. This has to go beyond just living a good moral life and reading a Bible study so that we can feel like we're doing a good job at this thing and coming to church from time to time. Like, there is a dynamic, vibrant life by the Spirit of God in the kingdom of God. There are things that he's given to you to help you be fruitful and effective in the kingdom of God. I'm believing for greater gifts in 2024. Amen? All right, let's skip over a couple of things here. I'm going to go here to chapter, chapter 4, verse 27. Just then his disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town, and they made their way toward him. And meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have a food to eat that you know nothing about. There's that divine assignment again. Friends, when you operate in divine purpose, like you can go without food because it brings substance to your life. It brings a strength and a sustenance to your life that is energizing. Verse 32, he says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me. And to finish his work. That's a great verse for for 2024. Don't you have a saying, it is still four more months until the harvest? But I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for, but others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. In 2024, I am believing for greater harvest. I said, I'm believing for greater harvest. I am 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 believing for greater harvest. I am, there are too many people that are in our city whose marriages are falling apart. There are too many young people who are, who are entertaining thoughts of, of self-destruction to their own bodies. There are too many people that are strung out on addictions in our city. In our city. In our city. Like, we need to take ownership of our city. 
Like I'm looking around the room and I know that some of you are only going to be here for a short amount of time because of your military stint. But while you are here, why don't you make this your city while you're here? Why don't you take ownership and possession of this city while you are here? Why, 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 don't we, why don't we invest greater emotional and mental energy into the future of our city while we are here? Those of you who are teachers, this year, believe for harvest in your classrooms. Those of you who are in the school system, take a healthy, divine possession of that school in the spirit. This is my school. This is the school that God has called me to. This is one of the things that I believe that God is needing the people of God to do is to see that whatever vocation or field that we're in, this is our ministry and this is our assignment and this is our possession. This is ours. Friends, we're going to be praying for the lost a lot in 2024. We're going to be fasting for the lost. We're going to be preaching the gospel so that the lost that come into this room, they hear it and they hear it clearly and they hear it over and over and over again because I am not willing to live another day knowing that there are people that are in my city that are far from God. And I remembered, like sometimes I look around and I see people in my city and I remember what it was like to be far from God. I remember what it was like to not have instant and immediate access to the presence of God. And I think about what life would be like without the comfort and the joy of the presence of God. That is daily reality. I don't know how people make it nowadays. I don't know how people make it without God. Friends, it is the divine privilege and the divine responsibility of the people of God to present the gospel, to intercede that the gospel be made known to the people that are around us. And I am believing for greater harvest. Will you believe with me? Will you invite? Will you pray? Will you plead with heaven? Will you be intentional about who you invite into your home? Will you open up your homes and invite sinners around your table? Uh, Will you care about the people that are far from God? This is something I believe that God is inviting us into in 2024. Friends, this is not a numbers game for me. This This is a souls game. This is an eternal, this is an eternity game. And to be the people of God is to care deeply about the things that God cares about. And here's the final thing that I'm believing for in 2024. Verse 39, I want to end this. And Seth, you can come up here with me if you would. Ministers of the table, if you'll just get ready. I'm going to call you here together here in a moment, but you just be ready. John chapter 4, verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said, but now we have heard for ourselves And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. I am believing for greater testimony in 2024. I am believing that the testimony of the Lord will be on our lips. I am believing there there, there is a man that is in our church that anytime you get around this man and his family, all you're going to hear is testimony. I was at a football game with this guy, and he introduced me to someone that he had just met. He goes, Pastor Jade, you got to meet somebody. I just spent the last two hours sharing my testimony with them. I mean, anytime you get around Josh Landis, all you're going to hear is testimony. 
This is who I was. This is who I am now. This is what I was strung out on. This is how God saved me. This is how I was in darkness. Now I'm in light. This is how I used to be in bondage. Now I'm in freedom. Right, guys, listen. There are people in this room whose lives are in this room because of that man's testimony. That's you. You've got a testimony. You have a testimony. You have something that God has done in your life. This church has played a major part in your life. The people of God have played a major part of your life. Share that. Look for ways. Think about ways. Be creative about ways. Pray for ways. Expect ways to share your testimony. And listen, if you're looking around and going, well, I don't really feel like God's done much, ask. Ask. God, do something in my life that I can share with somebody. Guys, we're going to ask big things from God this year. We're going to ask crazy things from God. We're going to ask audacious things from God. We're going to ask big faith. Come on, stand with me on your feet this morning. We're going to ask God to be God in our lives this year. Amen? Amen? And we're going to have a story to tell. I believe it. Will you just lift up your hands in faith today? Spirit of the living God, I don't know where every single one of us are at, but I know enough to know that we're all over the map in this place. Some are hearing this with cynical ears, and some are hearing this with excitement. And so, God, I pray that wherever every single one of us are at, that you would meet each and every single one of us with the words of Jesus, not the words of a man, not the words of hype, not the words of emotional excitement, but the words of faith, the words of eternity, the words of reality, the words of the kingdom, the words of Jesus, the words of the Logos, the words of invitation. Ask me, ask me, ask me, ask me, ask me, ask me, and whatever you ask in my name, the Father will do for you that your joy may be complete. God, I'm asking today, heal our faith, restore our faith, strengthen our faith, build our faith, enlarge our faith today, God. Resurrect our faith. And then, Lord, as we give our faith back, to you, I'm asking that you would give us a God-sized faith, a God-sized faith. Lord, I pray that in 2024, bodies would be healed of sickness, chronic illness. I pray be healed in the authority of Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for turnaround in marriages, broken relationships. I pray for reconciliation and healing on broken friendships, God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that those that have been in the rut of sin, cycles of shame, bondage, addiction, be broken. I pray for the deliverance power of God be upon every single one of us. Lord, I pray for those that feel like we've never heard your voice. Lord, that we're in a dry season. Lord, I pray that you would come near, that you would awaken every single one of us with the resurrection power of the living God today. Lord, I pray that dreams and vision would come to your people in 2024. I pray that your young men and your young women would prophesy. I pray that gifts would be activated. I pray that we would lay hands on the sick and that they would recover in the name of Jesus. Let dead things come alive and be resurrected in the power of Jesus' name. And I pray it today by faith. Let it be so. Ministers of the table, would you come forward and prepare as we serve the people of the living God? Friends, would you stretch forth your hands to the bread and to the cup today? Lord, we pray today that the spirit of the living God would hover over these natural elements and that you would do in natural things what only you can do, O God. Lord, that you would touch the temporal and you would make it eternal, that you would touch the natural and that you would transform it to be spiritual. And Lord, I pray that when we come today that we would eat the flesh of God and drink the blood of the Son of Man. And in so doing that we would find that we have our life in you and that you would restore us. And we pray that you would do it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Beloved, you could, end, you could exit on the left of your row. Come and receive the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, and we'll take it all together. If you know it, sing it with us today. Let faith arise. Made 
The word believe is used almost a hundred times in the book of John. I believe it's about 98. 21 chapters in the word believe, 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 believe. If only you will believe. If you will believe, you will see the resurrection of the Son of Man, for I am the resurrection and the life. I am praying today that the Spirit of the living God himself would give you strength and faith and grace to believe and to believe again. Let it be so in the name of Jesus. On the night when our beloved Savior was betrayed, he took bread and he broke that. Break that in your hands if you would. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you, for your wholeness, for your deliverance, for your salvation, and for your healing. And so now let all that is available for you in Christ be yours as you receive. Let us take today. seven places and seven points that the body of Jesus had blood come out of his body. He was pierced. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And yet the blood of Jesus cleanses every part of our being, heals our being, breaks sin cycles off of our being, releases forgiveness and wholeness and healing to us. Beloved, in the name of the Lord Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Don't live in your sin. Don't walk in your sin any longer. Experience newness of life through the blood of Jesus. Let us receive today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Friends, let all that is available for you, let it be fully yours. Lay a hold of it by faith, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Let's sing a song of doxology. We'll get out of here today. Clap your hands in the presence of the Lord today, church. By faith, clap your hands strong. A hand clap of victory and triumph. A hand clap of joy. The shout of the king is among them. Hey, God, we release this into our year today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe great things for you because I believe God has great things for you. Amen. So now go in the power of the Holy Spirit, go in the name of Jesus, and go in the love of the Father. We love you and we bless you. Friends, ministry is here available for you. If you want someone to pray for you, we would love to pray for you. We'll see you guys next week, if not sooner. Amen.